Park Hopping Podcast number 87, Sleeping Beauty Wakes Up. Lots of important things to say. This is not art. Coming up next in our show. This is not media. First, the news. This is not news. Now, welcome back to the show. This is another crappy podcast production. Celebrating over 12 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Happy New Year! This is Alan from DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 87. The podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Welcome back to the Park Hopping Podcast, recorded right here in the chilly, crappy podcast studios in Des Moines, Iowa, USA. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I talked a bit about the Disney Annual Pass Program and how it might actually be the cheapest form of admission you can buy, depending on how you use it. Today on the Park Hopping Podcast, well, I'm back. As I mentioned earlier, I was making a December trip out to Disneyland. This uh, trip started the day after Thanksgiving, so no podcast episodes the last couple of weeks. Of course, the week of Thanksgiving, I was busy getting ready for the trip, so I didn't get an episode there. The week afterwards, I was in California for 10 days, so I didn't have a way to do an episode that week. Uh, The week after that was recovery, and then we had the Christmas week, and so on. So here we are, better late than never, putting out an episode which will probably be out the last episode of 2008. If you're listening to it after then, Happy New Year. What I wanted to talk about today is some of the things that were new to me during this recent December visit to Disneyland. And I want to kind of walk through this in chronological order. I'm not going to be doing a trip report. I'm just going to kind of talk about specific items there, such as the new Sleeping Beauty walkthrough that has reopened, some of the new attractions that have opened since I was last at the park, and some of the construction and future plans going on over at Disney's California Adventure. So we'll get started in just a moment. But first, I wanted to mention my photo site, DisneyFans.com, where I've recently added a little over 8,000 new photos. Actually, that's not quite true. So far, I've only posted the photos from Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure, but I took about 8,100 pictures during this trip, including some from Knott's Berry Farm and Universal Studios Hollywood. I have about 1,300 pictures from the day spent at Universal Studios, most of which was from a $200 VIP tour experience that I took part of. Very neat. I'll be telling you about that in an upcoming episode as we park hop outside of Disney property and explain how I could have possibly spent 10 days just in Southern California doing theme parks. So that'll give you something to look forward to or fast forward through. But first, let's get the vacation underway. In an earlier episode, I talked about my issues booking my ticket for the wrong date and getting it rebooked. Well, I did eventually get on the proper flight about 6 a.m. on the morning of November 28th, the day after Thanksgiving, and it wasn't really that busy. I didn't expect the airports to be very busy. Flew in through Minnesota and uh, landed in Southern California at the John Wayne Airport around 11 o'clock. Picked up my car, which I think was on Hertz this time, and was at the uh, Disneyland Resort probably an hour later, including stopping by the hotel. The hotel I stayed at this time was one that I found through Hotels.com. 
It was the Eden Rock Inn and Suites. It used to be called Park Fair or Park View, something like that. If you look it up on Google Maps Street View, it still has the old name on the sign, so they must have just done this change recently. It was a very old hotel built in, I think, 1957, something like that, in the 50s, so it probably was nice and shiny and new when Disneyland was nice and shiny and new. It was a basic, basic small hotel, but it was clean. The people were exceptionally nice. They had coffee and some pre wrapped uh, little plastic wrapped pastries in the morning. Everybody there was exceptionally nice, well-spoken, and treated us real well, so I would definitely consider that again. Was able to get a rate that saved me about $200 for the nine nights I spent there compared to where I usually stay. So this was a trip in December, so Disney was in full Christmas mode. Uh, The first thing I noticed in the loading area near the parking structure. Incidentally, I tried to actually go to the surface parking lot this first day, and they handed us a slip that rerouted us all the way back over to the parking structure. So, didn't get to park in that surface lot. I guess it shut down for good, pending the expansion into Cars Land at Disney's California Adventure. At least, that's what they say. But at the waiting area for the tram, the signs had been changed. Instead of promoting the Year of a Million Dreams or whatever, now there were the... Uh, the If you've seen the TV commercials, they made one for Disneyland, one for Disney World, that used these kind of pop-up book versions of white cut-out paper with the castle and other icons around the theme parks. Well, they had kind of that look to them with the castle with lights around it and sparkling with joy, so they were gearing us up for the Christmas celebration. But all the little signs along the tram route were still saying Year of a Million Dreams. The signage above the security gates has all changed. It has slogans, and this reminds me of another commercial. Maybe somebody out there knows where I saw this, but they had quotes like, where millions of dreams come true, one dream at a time, where elephants fly and time stands still, things like that, over each of the security checkpoints. And that's new signage that's been added. And the Esplanade itself, again, it was still all year of a million dreams. Over the entrance to Disneyland Park, the actual turnstiles you go through, they have some new kind of snowflake-looking swirly patterns that light up and fade in and out at night. So uh, a whole different look to entering Main Street. Inside Main Street itself, the Mickey design in front of the train station has a nice swooping pattern with Tinkerbell at the end of it, kind of swooping from top left all the way down below Mickey Mouse's face, all the way over to the right, then swoops up and around back to the left, with Tinkerbell leaning over kind of Mickey Mouse's uh, top rightmost ear when you look at his face. And at night, this lights up, and a pattern of lights goes all the way through the swirl. Tinkerbell lights up, and the whole thing sparkles up. Very, very neat and surprising. Christmas decorations were up all over the park. This was the first year for Disneyland to use an artificial Christmas tree, which I was kind of bummed about because they've been using a real tree for so long. But I realize now it enabled them to make this a prop and wire up a very complex light show that I guess might not have been as easy to do with an actual physical Christmas tree or rather the combination of trees they use in the past. Looks like the Disneyland real living Christmas trees were quite processed to make them work. On Main Street, they were still showing the first uh, 50 Magical Years. That's the Steve Martin Donald Duck film over at the Opera House where Mr. Lincoln normally was. So that's still hanging on. Gave me a chance to see that. The exhibits inside the Opera House are still a lot of the history exhibits about the creation of Disneyland, including some of them that had been taken away when I was there last year. I believe a few of the counters were were gone. I don't know where they were. Maybe they were just being cleaned or refurbished. But it looked like everything was back. They still had the large model that represents what Disneyland looked like on opening uh, day. 
and it was nice to see that again. So that's still there. It's going to be going away soon when they bring back Mr. Lincoln or whatever, sometime this year, uh, 2009. So I was glad to get one more chance to see it. I'm hoping they make the movie available on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever once it goes away. We'll see. At the exit of the Opera House, they've now taken the area there. They've built a new wall or taken down a wall. They've done something to change it. There's definitely a wall that's been moved, built, or taken away. And the entire outside wall on the left when you exit, which used to be a a mural with Walt on it, and then it was changed into concept art for Disney's California Adventure, well, that's now a bunch of artwork, different things inspired by Disney, reproductions of cells, from the animated features, things like the watches where they've done the artwork on the, the wrist watches. That's all for sale now. It's it's uh, kind of a high-end art store for Disney. More or less replacing some of the things that normally would have been located in New Orleans Square up at the Disney gallery above Pirates of the Caribbean. The hat shop was still there, just the outside exit, which basically used to be nothing but a walkway to get out of the Great Moments to Mr. Lincoln area. That's That's now the art store. They also had a new shop at the very back side edge near, well, to the left of the hat shop. There's a corner store there that's now Celebration Custom Printers. They have the ability to do embroidery and some kind of uh, heat transfer on hats. Uh, They actually said you could buy anything in the park and bring it there, and they could embroider on it. So if you bought a shirt wanted to have your name put on it, they could do things like that. So that that was interesting. This was not a real busy time to be visiting the park, but rides like Indiana Jones and uh, the Nemo submarine voyage were still having hour waits. Most everything else in the park was probably 30 to 40 minutes long that day. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is the recently reopened Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough attraction. And by recently reopened, I mean recently. I think it opened to the public one or two days before we got there for this trip. So this was brand new. Now, in the late 50s, the castle, when Disneyland opened, the castle did not have an attraction in it. Uh, The castle actually was there as Sleeping Beauty Castle a few years before the Sleeping Beauty movie even came out. So it was an example of Walt kind of tying in something he was going to be doing. Nobody really knew what Disney's connection with Sleeping Beauty was in 1955, other than the fact that they might have known that was an upcoming Walt Disney animated feature. Now, the 1950s version was kind of flat dioramas with a lot of special effects, basically Pepper's Ghost, where things were reflecting off of glass and you'd see stuff in the scenes. If you want to know what the 1950s version was like, get a copy of the Sleeping Beauty DVD that came out recently, uh, DVD or Blu-ray, and I I really encourage you to grab this disc. Uh, The movie was great, and some of the special features were really interesting, the typical making of and behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Very, very well done DVD. But something that I enjoyed as a theme park fan was the virtual recreation of the original 1950s castle attraction. They actually rendered in full 3D a walkthrough of what it was like going through the castle back anywhere from when it opened in, what, 50... I don't know, 57, 58, whenever it was, until they closed it down to update it in the 70s. So you can see what the original version was like on that DVD, including some scenes that were removed shortly after it opened, and the 1970s version was completely different. It was basically animated dolls, and they followed the storyline of the movie a lot closer than the 50s version did. The animated scenes that were there from the late 70s until it closed in 2001 looked a lot like the animated windows on Main Street. 
So this DVD already gave me a good idea of what the 50s version was like, and what they were putting in the castle was supposed to be an updated version of that. And it really was. It was basically the same thing you see on the DVD with vastly updated special effects. So you go into the castle, they have the, the same curtains you walk through, and they have the, the book and the pedestals that kind of tell the story. In a faraway land, long, long ago, lived a king and his queen, and so on. I'll probably do an audio walkthrough of this attraction at some, po some point. But you go in, you walk upstairs, everything was lit really, really well. And the first scene was there, and it was the king and the queen looking down on all of the uh, spinning wheels being burnt. And that's what happened in the movie. The fire coming from the spinning wheels was a, a reflection of Pepper's ghost effect of really nice-looking animated flames. And uh, you just had a lot of flickering red lights like it was giving off the, um, the flame uh, light. The next scene, after some more hallways and some more books, were the three little fairy pixies putting the baby Aurora in her crib. Uh, enchanting her and giving her protection, just like in the movie. And this was done similarly to the 1950s version, but in the 50s it was done with mechanical effects. They had the, the, the fairies in the set, and they had a little mechanical device that rotated with light, and it, it looked like the uh, pixie dust was coming out of where the fairies were when they waved their magic wand. Well, in the updated version, it's done, once again, with projections into glass, or in this case, reflections into glass, of two-dimensional drawings that were animated, and they were drawn to look as if they were two-dimensional cutout-type characters. But they were moving, and they were floating around, and you'd see the, the fairy dust flicker down, all being done through animated effects. So it looked very, very good. Uh, next scene from the 50s, once again, was the... Uh, the evil witch looking down on a sleeping, sleeping beauty after she pricked her finger on the spinning wheel. This had some more differences. They go out of their way to talk about what the scene looked like on the DVD and some of the things that moved and were animated and, and uh, flown, fluttering cloaks with wind. This was slightly different. So after you watch the DVD and you start getting here, you start noticing that they've, they've actually changed quite a bit of the details. More hallways and more books. Then there's the scene from the movie where... The, uh, the fairies are putting the entire village to sleep, and this was the scene in the banquet hall. A lot of wonderful details here, including sticking out from under the table was the minstrel who uh, was goofing off and, and slipping the wine and being all silly in the movie. Well, he's you can see his feet and his lute sticking out from under the table, which also was in the movie. And up in the top right corner, and people were missing this because they weren't looking up there, once again were our three fairies, and they were uh, putting out the lights. There's a kind of a three-dimensional flat of the candles hanging from the ceiling, and then using special effects, they actually have the candle flames on top of this physical prop, and the fairies flying around, putting the candle lights out one at a time. Very, very cool. The Corridor of Goons was next, and on the DVD they show you some of the cool effects they had when they first put this in. The cool effects in the 50s involved looking through peepholes and seeing some interesting things, but it, it made such a bottleneck they said they had to board them up and shut them down. Well, what they've done in the new version is they've given you several windows you can look through down this corridor, and you'll see like a little animated thing go by, which is supposed to be like the, the staff of a guard, and there's some surprises there. If you actually look through this window and watch the little staff kind of march by from left to right or right to left, like there's something just on the other side that's just below the door. Every now and then one of the goons will pop right out in front of it and make people jump. Very fun watching people get startled. It, it got me because I didn't see it 
on the first couple of windows and the last one caught me. Then I found out they were pretty much doing that on all of them. Uh, very, very neat. Lots of details here. Then you walk into a section where you're going through um, kind of a hall with wood, fancy wood paneling as you go down the stairs. And there's a scene with the uh, evil witch queen looking out her window. There's all the uh, thorn bushes around. And in the background is a castle. These are all two-dimensional physical sets. But they've got a kind of a projection, Pepper's Ghost, whatever it is, effect of a big animated swirling vortex of clouds with look like demons and ghosts flying out of it. Very, very interesting and very well done. Uh, next is a room that's been missing since the 1970 redo was there with a bunch of spinning, uh, the little uh, spinning wheel spinning around in a room, uses a mirror effect so it goes on and on. They do explain how this one works on the DVD. After this, there's another one with the queen up on the top. It's all done in miniature looking down so it looks like you're seeing something at a great distance. And she's standing there and at the very bottom of the room is a grate in the floor glowing green and there's these green kind of green fire coming out of it once again done with a pepper's ghost animation effect looked very very good you can um, go past that to one of the probably the coolest window in it all it's a uh, castle looks like the castle up on the hill where the, uh, the queen would turn into a dragon and the prince would have to fight her well this is all recreated but the uh, while the prince and his horse are just static cutouts at the bottom of it everything else is animated uh, massive lighting and lava effects, and then the dragon appears, and the dragon kind of moves as if it's a two-dimensional prop, and then there's smoke, and fire pours down like lava, and tumbles over everything, lots of lights. Very, very impressive. The whole thing cycles and repeats in probably 30 seconds. It's worth stopping and looking at it. And then the final scene is the prince kissing Aurora to wake her up, and this is a scene, once again, recreated from the 50s version. You see kind of Pepper's Ghost doves circling above them, it's a bed of roses, and the, the prince leans over and kisses her, and an array of light comes out and lights them up, and then they all disappear, and it's nothing but a bed of roses. Once again, very, very nicely done. And then something they've restored. When you're exiting and you're going down the final hallway, you see ahead of you the shadow of kind of a window, lightning flashes. Uh, then you see the shadow of the queen step into it and you hear her cackle as if she's right around the corner then it resets back to just the green hallway lights after this you turn the corner go down and you're back out in fantasy land this was really neat and because there were so many people in it it probably took a good 15 minutes maybe even longer to walk through this reading each book and looking in each window and I might have missed some because kind of rushed through it the first time I did go back through it again I videotaped it, took a lot of pictures. Um, very, very interesting. Now, because this attraction was built or put together in the 50s, it's kind of grandfathered in, and it doesn't have to be wheelchair accessible. It's kind of the same reason the submarines were allowed to continue. But Disney, I don't know if they had to or they just chose to do this, they created a viewing area in what used to be a shop on the opposite side of the uh, where you enter the castle, and you can go into this room... And it's all decorated with shelves with crowns and goblets and, and jewelry. And in the corner of the room is the book, one of the books like from inside the castle. And above it in a big picture frame, so it looks like a nice golden picture frame, is a flat screen showing what's basically that walkthrough video from the DVD. It has the same narration and the sounds. It's got the subtitles turned on. And on the far corner of the room is a bunch of very royal-looking padded 
chairs together so people can sit in and just watch it and get the whole experience. But I believe from looking at the special effects on the video and hearing the narration, that's actually the video you see on the DVD, so it doesn't exactly match what's going on inside the castle today. But that's the Sleeping Beauty Castle Accessible Experience, they call it. They have a similar one for the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage, and I didn't get around to seeing that. I kind of forgot about it. So that is just a little bit about my first experience returning to Disneyland and getting to see the new Sleeping Beauty Castle experience. On that note, I think that's going to do it for me this time. I'm going to be back with more episodes covering some of the other things I saw on this trip, but I all want to keep them quick. So the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again, or just go away for seven years, then come back as something completely different. And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse around 65,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks, and hopefully I'll get to posting some new ones from this recent trip. If you'd like to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 87, Sleeping Beauty Wakes Up, and I'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting podcasts. Hey, if you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World and plan to stay off-site, and you've ever wondered what the deal is with all those cheap ticket timeshare promotions, visit DisneyFans.com secret. You can get a special deal at a luxury resort, all by enjoying a great breakfast while taking a tour and listening to a self-pitch. That's DisneyFans.com secret.